Spring Hill camps really are a great opportunity for our church and uh, for our community too. I got to tell you, my kids look forward to it every year, and so I'd encourage you to check it out. We've got a booth out in the lobby today. Uh, as you're leaving, you can learn a little bit more information about Spring Hill camps. Uh, good morning to all of you. My name is Paul Mumaw. I'm the lead pastor here, and it's good to be back with you today. Last week, um, I was in Waverly, Illinois. Uh, I got to preach for my dad. He just recently had surgery, and so uh, it was fun to go back to his church and be able to preach for him last weekend. And uh, Kevin was teaching here, and I hear great things. It was a great morning. Doesn't Kevin do a uh, great job whenever he teaches? Um, I I, I got to tell you, I'm so thankful for people like Kevin and Ben and their teaching, and I love Genesis Church, and that we're not a church about any one teacher or communicator, but that we've got, we've been blessed with a great uh, team of teachers, and so thank you for your support uh, in helping Genesis uh, to be that kind of a church. And uh, today, we want to continue in our series that we've been in, a series called Through the Lens. Uh, we've been looking at seven different miracles of Jesus recorded in the Gospel of John, but I want to do something a little different today. If you've got your your Bible with you, I want to invite you to take it and turn not to John, but instead to Matthew chapter 14, uh, the first book of the New Testament, Matthew 14. Uh, Matthew's account of this miracle uh, provides more details than John's account of this miracle. And so I want to use Matthew's account uh, of the miracle instead. Now, our goal in studying these miracles these past few weeks and for a couple of more after this uh, isn't so that we learn to put our hope uh, in miracles, uh, but rather in God. You know, God performed these miracles through Jesus then. We know and we believe that he still uh, can and does perform miracles today, but that's not the goal uh, of this series. Our goal is to see Jesus, all right, to see Jesus in these miracles so that we can get a better understanding of what God is like. Jesus said, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so with today's miracle, and uh, like the others that we've studied so far, uh, this miracle gives us a chance to really zoom in and get a better glimpse uh, of what God is like. And so I want to pick it up in Matthew chapter 14, uh, starting in verse 22. Here's what Matthew records. He says, immediately, uh, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Now, immediately means right after the last thing, which was the feeding of the 5,000 on a hill near, uh, near Bethsaida. Kevin talked about uh, this particular miracle last week. Now, the other side Jesus refers to is the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee uh, is situated 680 feet below sea level and is surrounded by mountains on many sides. And, and what that means is that because of the terrain and because of the flow of the weather in this particular region of the world, this place was known for its beauty one moment, and then the next moment a storm might blow in uh, completely and totally unexpected. And I just think that that's kind of a metaphor for life, isn't it? Uh, that as we go through life, as we live our days from week to week, I mean, one day uh, everything is great, uh, and then all of a sudden the phone rings, uh, or all of a sudden you receive a text, or a particular email, or the doctor calls and says that you need to come in, or maybe uh, your boss calls a meeting, and you know that there's just there's something behind uh, this announcement or, or this meeting, and so all of a sudden... You know, before we know it, before we realize it, everything changes. I mean, life can be like that. Life can be unpredictable. Uh, the Sea of Galilee was like that. Verse 23, it says, after he had dismissed them, so Jesus puts them in this boat, 
Uh, it says he went up onto a mountainside by himself to pray. Now, if you just stop there for a moment, if you study the life of Jesus, if you look at his life all throughout the Gospels, you're going to see how dependent he was on his Father in heaven. I mean, Jesus always set aside time to pray. He, he took the time. He got away from the crowds to be alone with his Father. And I just, I just think that if the Son of God... If the Savior of the world is going to set aside time in his day every day to pray, how much more do we need that in our lives? Uh, how much more do we need to take those times of retreat to be alone with the Father? Matthew continues, it says, later that night, uh, he, Jesus, was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now, how many of you like storms? Uh, I was watching the news this morning before I came over here. It's Storm Preparedness Week uh, in the state of Indiana, and so uh, those storms, those uh, spring storms are upon us. I, I got to tell you that I was terrified of storms as a kid, uh, absolutely terrified them. Today, my fear has really become more of a fascination with storms. Here's the way I look at it. There are storm chasers, and there are basement runners, all right? How, how many of you are storm chasers? Do we have any storm chasers, all right? How many of you are basement runners, all right, we've got some base. I'm a storm chaser today. I, I'll send my family to the basement. I'm watching TV. I'm watching the windows because I want a glimpse, right? If there's something coming, I want to see it uh, first before I flee to the basement. Well, storms on land are one thing, all right? Storms in Indiana are one thing. Storms in a boat, all right, out on a sea are another thing. And this one was a doozy. And not only that, it was late at night. They were out to see the scriptures say that the winds had been beating them up all night. I think Mark records that they had been straining all night long against the winds. And so we know they're exhausted. We know they're fatigued and likely terrified. And remember, most of them are fishermen. All right, so they've spent plenty of time out in the water, most likely plenty of time up against storms before. But maybe, maybe this wasn't like any other storm. And I just think there's an important lesson here for us. And if you're taking notes, if you're following along with us today, write this down. It's this lesson, it's this reminder that you and I, that you're going to go through storms in your life. Uh, we're going to face the storms. Uh, following Jesus doesn't exempt you from facing storms. Going to church, uh, calling yourself a Christian doesn't exempt you and me from storms. The disciples went through storms. You and I are going to go through storms. And you know what? I, I believe that some of you here today and you're right in the middle of a storm right now. And uh, maybe for you that has to do with your job. Maybe your, your job is coming to an end or uh, because of your particular position at work, I mean, you know too much and you see things happening. And uh, so you're a little worried right now. Maybe some of you are, are fighting to stay afloat financially right now. And so for you, it's just surviving paycheck to paycheck. Uh, maybe you're waiting for some answers uh, in regards to your health. Maybe you're waiting for some test results to come back or waiting, trying to find a doctor who can finally help. And, and so you feel beat up by the waves of life right now. Some of you are going through rough waters in your marriage uh, right now. Uh, or maybe you're single and you're trying to decide if he's the one or you're single and you're trying to decide if she's the one or is anyone the one. Uh, maybe there's some family stuff going on in your home, uh, whether that be with your kids or maybe your parents, maybe you and your spouse have been trying to get pregnant, and it doesn't seem like it's ever going to happen, and so it's affecting your faith uh, right now. Maybe it's a friendship at school or at work, and, and you're fighting the storm uh, in a relationship, but you're not making any progress. We all go through storms. Uh, if you're going through a storm today, you're not alone, and, and along those same lines, I mean, maybe you're asking, you know, why am I in this storm, or how did I get to this place, or why do I have to go through this storm? I, I wonder if the disciples felt like that. 
at all. I mean, these guys are close to Jesus. I mean, why in the world would he let them go through something like that or go through something like this? I mean, who doesn't wonder? Who doesn't wonder how and why uh, we have to go through storms in our lives? I think there's at least a few reasons why we go through storms, why we face storms. The first one is that sometimes storms result uh, because of our decisions, Uh, or our bad decisions. I mean, we bring them on ourselves. I mean, there are consequences for our choices, the choices that we make, right? Uh, Or another, I mean, sometimes our storms come as a result of our spiritual enemy. Uh, The Bible says that he tempts us. Uh, We know and we believe. The scriptures teach that Satan is real, that he's as real as Jesus, and we know his mission is to kill and steal and destroy, and so maybe he's responsible for the storm in your life right now. Other times we face storms simply because we live in a broken world. You know, our world is full of sin and rebellion and far from God's original design. But don't be discouraged. I mean, we know the hope. I mean, if you know the hope of Revelation 21, which reminds us that there is a day coming and there'll be no more tears and there'll be no more pain and sorrow, no more suffering, and we will be with Jesus And God is going to put this world back together. He's going to make things new once again. He's going to put the pieces of our broken world back together once and for all. And that's why Jesus was able to say, in this world you will have trouble. All right, meaning you and I, we're going to go through storms. They're going to come. We're all going to face them. But what else does he say? He says, take heart. Take heart because I have overcome the world. He reminds us that there is a way through. And so... Back to our story, back to our Matthew account again. Verse 25, we know that Jesus is praying. He's up on this hillside. The disciples are out on the water in their boat. Verse 25 says, shortly before dawn, all right? Uh, some, some scriptures say the fourth watch of the night, meaning somewhere between three in the morning and six in the morning. It says, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. That's interesting. All right, we'll come back to that. All right, verse 26 says, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Friends, I, I want you to be able to take courage today in your life. All right, and in your storm. And like that song that we sang just a moment ago, that our God is faithful and that we can trust him and that we can reach out for him and he is always there. I want to give you two things, uh, two encouraging words uh, for those of you that are in a storm right now, two promises that we see in this miracle of Jesus today. The first is this, you are in the storm with his presence. All right, if you're going through a storm right now in your life, you are in the storm and you are there with Jesus. You are with him. He is not, you are not alone. When you're in Christ, you will never be alone. God will always be with you. And Mark, it's interesting that the gospel writer Mark, he includes an account of this particular miracle too. And he gives some encouraging insight that we don't see in Matthew or John. Look over at Mark 6, uh, verses 47 and 48 for a moment. He just says, later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. And so Jesus, again, he was alone on land. Look what verse 48 says. It says, he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. I just think it's interesting and fascinating at the same time that even before he went to them, he noticed them and he saw them. And even while he was praying, he saw them. And doesn't that make you just wonder what he was praying for? What was Jesus praying in that moment? As he saw his friends, as he saw his disciples out fighting on the sea, You know what? I bet Jesus was interceding on their behalf. 
I bet Jesus was praying for them. And because, you know, Jesus only did what the Father commanded him to do, the Father must have told him to get up and to go out and help them, go close to them. And I realize that for you, and maybe in your situation right now, you find yourself in a place that you don't want to be in. But don't forget this. You're not alone. You're not alone right now. You don't have to go through this storm alone. I mean, you may be in a storm right now, but you are in the storm with his presence. Jesus was watching his disciples, and at some point, he determined it was time to move closer to them. They were never alone. You and I, we will never, ever be alone. I remember hearing a story one time about how one particular tribe of Native Americans used to train their young boys to become brave warriors. Um, here's what they did. When a boy was like 10 years of age, uh, his father would take him away from the camp, out into the wilderness, maybe out into the mountains or the woods or something, and then he would leave him there. All right, He would abandon him there, or at least so he thought, uh, until morning. And so the father would leave his son for a set amount of time uh, to brave the wild animals, to brave the elements, the dark, and his own, uh, his own fear in that moment. Now, 10 years old, all right? Can you imagine doing something like that? I wouldn't have made it, all right? I, they would have said, boy's not he can't be a warrior, right? He's got you know, to empty the trash. You know, you are the trash uh, emptier. But here's the catch. Here, here's what the young boy didn't realize. The father never left. He was just hiding off to the side. He never left his boy alone. In fact, the father was always a short spring away, ready to jump in to protect his son. The boy didn't realize it, but dad was there with him the entire time. See, here's the thing. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, he's always with you. He's always with you. You're never alone. And even in the storm right now, uh, even if the storm comes tomorrow or this week, God is with you. He will always be with you. It's why David was able to write in Psalm chapter 23, verse 4. He says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, he writes again in Psalm 139, verses 7 and 8, he says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where, where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. And in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, we're reminded to be strong and be courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. See, here's the thing. No matter the hurt right now, no matter the fear, uh, no matter the frustration in your life, no matter how desperate it may seem for you, he is with you, and he will never leave you, and he's not going to turn his back on you. You are in the storm with his presence. Here's a second thing that we know, and that is that you are in the storm for his purpose. You're in the storm for his purpose. Now, we don't know exactly why this happened as it did for the disciples, but remember, Jesus sent them off in the boat. All right, he doesn't go with them. Now, did he know something they didn't, and then he went up to the mountainside to pray, and from what we could tell, this gave him a great view of the disciples as they started out and eventually found themselves in the middle of the sea and in the middle of the storm. And so again, was he praying for them? Maybe he was asking the Father to increase their faith and to increase their trust in him. That's what I believe. I think that's what God was doing here. I think God, I believe God was using this storm to increase the faith and the dependence uh, of these disciples in him and in the Lord. And then Jesus goes to them, and Peter calls out to Jesus. Look at uh, verse 28. What Peter says is, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, what would you have done? 
All right, if it's you, you're in the boat, all right? You've spent some time with Jesus. You've seen the miracles. You've seen the feeding of the 5,000. You're out in the boat. I mean, are you like Peter? All right, you're going to step out of that boat. You're going to take your chance uh, on the water, or maybe would you be a little turned off by his audacity, all right, to ask such a thing? I mean, and, and when you think about it, Peter could have asked for anything here. He could have asked Jesus, hey, Jesus, uh, turn this sea into chocolate right now. Do that for us, you know, and maybe, maybe Jesus would have done that. Or he could have said, hey, hey, Jesus, turn Andrew into a walrus or something, all right? I mean, he, he could have asked for anything in this moment, but he didn't do that. Instead, he looked at Jesus and he thought, you know what, I want to do that. I want to be like him. I want to live like this man. I want to have the faith like Jesus. And so he said, Lord, if it's you, call me and tell me to come out onto the water. Now, some say that you would have to be able to run at 67 mile per hour uh, in order to walk on water. I was reading this journal article last week where a bunch of smart people got together and did a study, and they found that it's humanly impossible, all right, to walk on water unless, that is, you could figure out a way to travel at 67 mile per hour by, by foot, all right? Now, we know that's not going to happen. I mean, Usain Bolt, I'm pretty sure, is the fastest man that we know of uh, that has ever run, ever lived, and he has been recorded at 27.7 mile per hour, which is pretty spectacular when you think about it. All right, the, the truth is that, you know, it, it is anatomically, physiologically impossible, all right? You, your body would have to be able to produce 15 times more energy than it can produce in order to travel at such a rate of speed to produce that kind of energy. And so maybe Peter didn't realize that people don't walk on water, all right? It, it doesn't happen. But, but what Peter may some have said lacked in common sense, you know what he made up for? It, guts or faith? I think it's faith. And what's faith? Uh, one writer says it like this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. He says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is two words, confidence and assurance. It's confidence and assurance. Faith is confidence in God's promises. Right, like Psalm 23, like Psalm 139, like Deuteronomy 31 that we looked at just a moment ago. It's confidence in the promises of God. It's confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, faith is not lack of doubt, all right? I mean, we're going to have some doubts, all right? It's going to happen. But faith is confidence in God in the face of the doubts. Faith knows that, that when you're in the storm of life, there is someone who is greater. There is someone who is by far greater than any storm. Faith is this. Write this down. Faith is putting God between you and your storm. Look at it like that. Faith is putting God between you and your storm. It's trusting. It's confidence that God can overcome. It's saying that, God, I may be in this storm right now, but I know and believe that you have the power to protect me, that you have the power to help me overcome it. Now, why were the disciples in the storm? Well, we don't know for sure. And the scriptures don't tell us, but what we do know is that their faith would never be the same. And why are you in the storm? Why are you going through what you're going through right now in your life? I don't know how you got there. Maybe you don't know how you got there, but what I do know is this. I do know that God can use, he can use the storm in your life right now to increase your faith and your trust in him. See, he is after total dependence. That's what he wants from you and me, is total dependence. That's what he wants for you. 
is to be totally dependent on him. Jesus was totally dependent, completely dependent on his Father, and he wants us to be totally dependent on our Father in heaven too so that our faith in him is everything that we need. Verse 28 again. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Notice that Jesus invited him out of the boat. It says, then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Peter walked on the water. He got down out of the boat and walked on the water. He starts making his way towards Jesus, all right? But look at verse 30. It says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And so Peter got out and he walked out on the water, but when he saw the impact of the waves, all right, when he saw these waves crashing around him, he was afraid. Now, so many times when we look at a story like this and when we think about Peter, we're like, oh, you know, poor Peter and all of his doubts. And in this moment too, I mean, he gets started, he fails. I mean, we think of him as the guy who didn't have enough faith to walk on water. But, but hold on there for a second. Let's not overlook the fact that there were 11 other disciples who never got out of the boat, who didn't have enough courage to get out of the boat. I mean, as far as we know, Peter was the only disciple that made an attempt in this moment. I mean, because he had the courage to believe. He was given the opportunity to experience the power and the presence of God for his life more than any of the other guys still sitting in the boat. See, here's what I wonder for you. And maybe what God's up to for you today and why he has you hear. I wonder if it's time for some of you to get out of the so-called boat of comfort and predictability and control and security in your life and take a step of faith towards Jesus. To get out of the boat and take a step towards Jesus. Maybe part of what God wants to do in you uh, today and through this story is to increase your faith and your dependence on him. And so what you need to do is you need to get out of the boat right now. And maybe for you in your life, maybe that has everything to do with getting out of the boat and take a step and, and start giving. All right, start, start trusting the Lord with, with his financial provision for your life. Maybe he wants you to get out of the boat and take a step towards him and start praying. Uh, to ask for the strength to overcome some of the disbelief or lack of faith in your life right now. Maybe, maybe the step that he wants you to take is to break off an inappropriate relationship right now. He knows and you're starting to realize that you don't need that or... Maybe he wants you to take a step towards your marriage, to give your marriage another shot, to, to extend forgiveness to someone that you've been withholding that forgiveness, that bitterness that has grown up inside of you. Maybe the step of faith that he wants you to take today is to say with your own mouth and in your own words that you're handing all of your worries over to him. Uh, or to quit delaying, to quit putting off trusting Jesus Christ uh, as your Savior, trusting him with your salvation. Maybe the step of faith that he's ready for you to take is to get baptized. You've been putting it off, and it's time, and he says it's time. Maybe, maybe the step of faith that he wants you to take is to confront a friend, and uh, maybe somebody that's struggling with sin right now that's heading uh, down a wrong path. Maybe the step of faith that he wants you to take is to talk to someone about your faith uh, in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe the step of faith for you is to quit putting your faith in the next president or the next election, and instead to turn your eyes towards him. Maybe he is ready for you to get down out of the boat and to take a step to the Lord in faith and ask him to do even greater things in your life. And maybe there's every part of you that wants to push back and say, I've tried that, or I've tried what you've mentioned and I failed in it, or what if I fail again? It's a great question because here's the thing. You might fail. You could fail. But if you get out of the boat, you might walk on water. 
and the Lord might do something in your life you've never experienced before. And here's what I do know for sure. If you don't get out of the boat, you're not going to walk on the water with him. It's not going to happen. Peter had faith. And he took his eyes off of Jesus for a few seconds, and he realized that he was walking on water. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe he just realized, I'm walking on the water. Maybe somebody from the boat yelled out, dude, you're walking on the water right now. And it just kind of threw him off in that moment. We don't know. He took his eyes off Jesus, and he started to sink. But did he fail? Maybe on the one hand. But did he really? Because look who caught him. Jesus caught him, and this catch must have changed everything for him. I mean, don't you think, I mean, don't you think that this impacted his faith in Jesus forever? Verse 31 says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And you know what, like Peter, God invites you and me to take bold and courageous steps of faith toward Jesus. He wants to increase your faith and your dependence in him, and when we fail, And when you fail, he is sufficient. And he will be there to pick you up, to lift you up. That means that he is sufficient to lift you up today, no matter how you've fallen or how far you've fallen in your life. Verse 32 says they got out of the water. When they climbed into the boat, the wind died. All right, we've studied turning water to wine. We've looked at physical healings. We talked about multiplication last week and now mastery over nature, all right, on the part of Jesus. And look at the effect, verse 31. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. What did the disciples do? They worshiped. What a special moment. They worshiped. But do you want to know who worshiped greater than anyone else in that moment? Peter did. Peter worshiped in a way that those men who witnessed from the side couldn't have experienced and could have known. See, when people get out of the boat, amazing things happen. And so I just wonder, what if everyone here, what if every single one of us made a commitment to say, I want to get out of the boat? What if everyone here would say, Jesus, call me, I'm yours. Whatever it is that you have for me, can you imagine the kind of power that could be released in your life and in this church if we made that commitment to the Lord? You know, when we take bold steps of faith courageously with Jesus, We can make a difference for our friends and our family and our neighbors with fellow students. Uh, It's the people who may not be willing to get out of the boat right now with you, but they'll watch you and they'll hear from you and you can lead them with your life and with your example and point them to Jesus Christ too. Maybe today, maybe God is calling some of you to take that next radical step of faith towards him, to put God between you and your storm right now. If God's calling you to take that step today, Take that step boldly and courageously in faith. For some of you, it's the decision to get out of the boat and to get baptized. But maybe for some of you, maybe the step of faith that you need to take today is to put your trust in Jesus. You know, right? The boldest, the boldest step anyone has ever taken was Jesus Christ himself when he stepped down from heaven and he came to the earth to die for my sin and to your sin. And so the question you need to ask is, have you trusted him with your life yet? Let's pray. And let me just lead our prayer with that. Have you trusted Jesus Christ with your life as your Lord and Savior? And if you haven't done that before and you sense God working in you and you're ready to make that move to get out of uh, the boat of your life and to trust him as Lord and Savior, just, just say that with your words right now in your own prayer. Just say, Lord Jesus, I'm ready. I'm ready to come. Lord, forgive me. Take me. Save me. I belong to you. 
And Father, we thank you. We thank you for those prayers that are being offered up to you right now. Uh, Lord, we, we believe, we want to live our lives in such a way with faith, putting you between us and whatever that storm is right now. And you know what that storm is for each person here today. Would you encourage them, Lord? Would you give them faith? Would you give them the words to believe, trust in you, Lord, to take these next steps wherever they may lead? And God, can we be a church? Will you help us to be a church full of people ready to take great steps of faith in trust for you, with you, for all things? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.